Hi, and welcome to another All Things Data. Today we're talking about how AI plays with the legal profession. In the past, you may have heard of a bunch of our podcasts talking about other industries, and we're going to try to imagine what AI and NLP might be useful for in a bunch of industries for the next little while. So today is all about law and litigation. Uh, without further ado, let's get going. Hi, Victor. Nice talking to you again. Let's talk about AI in the legal profession. Absolutely. You might imagine with the legal profession being all about discourse, dialogue, and the written word that there would be parts of AI and NLP that have lent themselves really nicely to the actual automation and the help and guidance of the legal profession. And we've seen that all the way through all of the 2000s, even prior to that, there's been just software and automation generally for the legal profession, whether that is even stuff down to looking at decisions and understanding the judicial decisions that do exist. The law societies put out digital catalogs, more or less, of the decisions that do exist. These are largely usable in their format in the way that they are handed out, but you do have to have the ability to do some kind of AI or NLP modeling. And that's sort of been, I guess, the crux because most legal firms, most law firms um, tend not to have a large data science department, a large NLP department, mm -hmm. or anything close to that. They may have an IT department, which is very common because they do have a large population of people where they have to manage all of their IT needs. But it's unlikely that they're running technical IT data science AI projects. So it hasn't been something that they've typically been able to just go and make themselves create a model or understand specifically how to extract certain things from certain places. Over the last, I would say, seven, eight years, there's been a bit of a confluence of automation tools and companies that have largely done a pretty good job of helping out legal firms and the judicial sector with things all across the board, but largely across several, I guess, classes of problems. So really to deal a bit with document automation and review a lot to do with litigation prediction, you know, whether or not something might be good at trial, bad at trial. Uh, a lot with intellectual property, and then that kind of ties into a bit of legal research. So you have those broad topics that you largely have legal firms automating or getting help with software against. Let's see. Are lawyers seeing the risk to automation that other industries are currently experiencing? Oh, well, it's funny. I mean, there's so many jokes about lawyers that everybody tells and it's kind of like, you know, people like to poke fun at this very noble and very well paid profession. Not your typical, it's not going to be like a data entry job and it's not going to be like, you know, even if you think back to like cashiers, how they've been automated away, it's not low hanging fruit. They're making really critical decisions at key times and they're interpreting things much more so than an AI or a model would readily do. Possible and even plausible that an AI could do some of these things. However, it's not generally within the realm of real uh, possibility just simply because 
the amount of data that you would need and the amount of historical data specifically that you would need about everything in the law to try to even get to a percentage of a really strong good lawyer probably doesn't make any sense. And generally the way AI companies operate is when they're thinking of optimization or replacement of people, they start with low hanging fruit and they don't want to start with a, an incredibly high sticker price for whatever their offering is. I mean, if it was an offering that's replacing a data entry person who's possibly making, let's say $60,000 a year, you can imagine going to a company and saying, oh, we can replace that person and our software runs 24 hours a day and it's $5,000 a month. Mm -hmm. Basically it's the equivalent of that person, but there's no train, there's no like people training, there's right. training of an AI model and there's no downtime and there's no sick. And th th I mean, there's all these reasons why automation has sort of trumped labor for a while. Right. That sort of calculus doesn't really exist for lawyers per se, because you're talking about billables at a very high rate generally versus automating something away in the chance that you would actually solve the problem that a lawyer will do. And so much of what a lawyer does is also opinion driven, as is the law, which means that you have to have almost like a gut feel opinion or an understanding of something that's larger than just of the facts. Very interesting. Yeah. In such a paper heavy industry, how can AI make sense of their work? I mean, that really speaks to the crux of everything that 1000ML also does. But really, the problem that we alluded to much earlier today was that one of the classes of problems that they can actually affect or have a positive outcome with is around document automation, contract review, I mean, really like the reading of things, right? Mm -hmm. So you might imagine in document automation where legal counsel is in charge of either creating or verifying certain documents. If you have sort of a rule book, uh, a playbook of sorts of the kind of things that are allowed or that are normal in your documents and your agreements and whatever kind of things you're doing, you can basically run an NLP model against real document versus what your playbook has and verify that things are, you know, good, that they're in line and only sort of surface documents that don't appear that way. And you could do that across many documents, even just the, the extraction and reading of documents for specific pieces of data in them. The understanding of these documents isn't just specific to all of the material that's in them, there is key pieces of information like commencement dates, like counterparties, like specific clauses, and you can extract and digitize those and then look to analyze them better. And then in terms of contracts, you can do a very similar thing. And you can also, by having a chain of command or a chain of use or visibility throughout the whole thing. You can also see who's had their hands on the document, which helps you get to a place where you've seen all of the workflow that got you to that final contract. So you understand who wrote it, what template it came from, all this stuff. And that allows you basically to ensure that things weren't tampered with and things weren't really done in a malicious way, right? So yeah, I mean, generally you're going to have, uh, let's say we'll paint the picture of a very large law firm. 
you're going to have obviously the high paid lawyers and then the people just beneath them. But at some level, you end up having articling students and interns and paralegals, right? Those are generally the people that are doing a lot of this reading. They're reading the mass and the high volume of things, whereas, you know, the high paid lawyers are probably just giving opinions on certain things they either don't have an understanding of or that caught their eye. So it's possible that you don't need such a large team of paralegals or articling students, but that may be part of your business, right? To do this work, and you could actually do it faster as well using automation. So that's generally because it is a paper heavy thing and you want to read things and understand them. NLP and AI really fit nicely in, in this kind of uh, workload. Is there a place for AI and automation to understand possible litigation outcomes? This is a, a sort of tricky one because there have been attempts at this. I think largely they've been attempts from academia. There are some companies who have a also try to do this commercially and it's something that can happen because there is a lot about every decision like just about every legal decision that's been made there's paperwork about it mm -hmm. and if you have access you can get that paperwork and then start to understand what the justice or the judge was talking about and you also understand a lot about the the case itself if you look at a decision, you're going to basically know the who, what, where, when, how, and why, right? And that's the purpose of it. And then laid in within there, you're going to have a bunch of opinions from the judge. You'll also have facts and law, specific pieces of law or precedent or facts that just exist, right? What that does is it can paint sort of a really nice AI picture, largely because you now have a bunch of signals and then you have an outcome. So the decision is an outcome. The decision may be they were able to sue somebody and got a judgment or mm -hmm. that person went to jail or whatever, right? So there's an outcome at the end of that. Right. But you know all of the little inputs that led to that outcome. Given this is the trick and beauty of AI, given enough of these inputs and outputs, you can train a very rigorous model that's going to have a high degree of confidence at understanding what could be litigated, what should be litigated, and what you're going to have trouble litigating against. And that's actually one of the models that we've also created at 1000ML using our Apogee suite, is we do have a judicial model that basically does just that. It looks at all kinds of decisions. We've trained it specifically on immigration law right now. It looks at all kinds of decisions and it understands whether or not you should proceed with litigation on that matter. Yeah, wow, so yeah, we've actually augmented that really strongly and we're starting to look to work with government ministries and mm. departments of the government with this one, yeah. All right, I can see that could be very useful and time savings as well. Exactly. Are patents and general IP law something that AI can affect? That's a really cool question. <laughs> well, back in the day, like six years ago, when I was working at a deep learning company called Deep Learning, at this company, we were asked whether or not we could do something in the realm of patent law, really to help with IP infringement and patent busters. Patent busters are people who look for patents that are either unused or that they can find sort of like a, a way to wedge in 
and they'll either write a new patent on top of that and sort of like corner the market or they'll look for the unused patents and either buy them or figure a way to use the IP. Because the IP is, I mean, if you have a patent and you have an IP, you have IP that's really protectable, you're in a place where you should have a large advantage in business, right? So they came to us and asked us to do some work on that. We actually explored it and we definitely found that there was the ability to do a lot in the world of research, but also in the world of exploratory intellectual property work, really. So without really even doing a large undertaking around NLP and AI, we were able to come out with pretty good results, basically using decision tree logic of sorts. Having the signals that we had, which were a bunch of patents about a specific subject, that's how we started, really meant that had we taken a little bit more time beyond just the exploration of that data and had we thought to model it, we would have very likely come out with really good results for the legal research and IP discovery kind of stuff. I haven't necessarily seen a company that is doing this on mass or at scale, but I've spoken to people in the legal profession who say that they do have systems for this. Oh, wow. And also the, on the other side, the patent offices, they have a version of software for this. But of course, the legal firms not being a government entity and having a lot more money to spend have better software. It's generally uh, more novel and more up-to-date AI and NLP at a legal firm than it would be at a government ministry, which means that these legal firms are very good at what they do, not only because they have the best lawyers, but they also have the money to spend on the best software. Yeah. That's great. This is amazing. I have a better understanding of how AI will work in the legal industry. It's nuts how we don't always understand or comprehend or, or can relate to how AI can affect or change. And a lot of people see AI as this thing, like if you're much older, you see it like the Terminator or something <laughs> like that. And realistically, like we'd love to say that AI is amazing at, at a bunch of things and there's amazing AI and there is really great artificial intelligence that exists. But the general AI that people are fearing or the super intelligent AI, we're nowhere near that. Like it's quite comical actually. The things that we're solving is still largely spreadsheety things, a little bit of computer vision things, mm -hmm. and then a lot about uh, text and, and then generally analytics and stuff. If you can count it, you can probably do stuff about it. If you can understand writing and, and language, you can do stuff about it. So really it's as much as you can get a computer to understand, the AI sort of comes after. If we want computers to understand black holes, we first need to understand black holes, but then we have to give the computer every bit of information about black holes possible for it to have any idea of what to model, what to do, and how to understand it. So there we go. Another uh, episode of All Things Data comes to conclusion. Today we spoke about the applications of AI and NLP in the legal and judicial domain. Join us next week where we'll continue talking about All Things Data. Thanks, have a great day.